This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to either view or listen to this week's drop of the Thrive Podcast. We hope that you enjoy the Thrive Podcast. The numbers seem to indicate that we have good viewership, good listenership, and we are grateful to everyone for that. Drop us a line. Uh, Email me at fredjeffsmith at cox.net and let us know what you think about this podcast and the previous podcast and how we can make it better. We'd love to hear from you. I'm very happy today to welcome a member of the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, uh, a member of the United States military, a member of uh, the Louisiana Bar, uh, a lawyer, a uh, former magistrate, uh, Mr. Quintillus Lawrence. Uh, Quintillus, thank you so much for agreeing to come and share with us today and talk to us about a few things with regard to the law and how it affects things that are going on here. Thank you for having me. You are on the defense side of law, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, a few weeks ago, I guess a couple months ago, uh, I had my sister on, uh, Sanseri Mm Smith-Clark, who uh, works really both sides. Her her official capacity is on the prosecutorial side, working for the AG's office. Yes. Um, My sister and I are are extremely close, and we have regular conversations, and whenever the law comes up, she ends up telling me I don't know anything at all, Uh And, and that... I sound like someone who has never taken a civics course in class. So <laughs> let me ask you, as someone who, who works uh, uh, on the defense side, what do you see as the biggest problems that exist uh, within the criminal justice system uh, in the Baton Rouge community? Not nationally right. in the Baton Rouge community. What do you see as the biggest drawbacks, or the biggest problems within the criminal justice system? Well, aside from from those who are in, in positions to 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 I'll say control, but to to handle and, and, and those of us who are in charge of the criminal justice system, both prosecutors, defense attorneys, judges and, and, and alike, the, the biggest problem is not understanding that but for the grace of God, that could be us mm-hmm. or our loved ones sitting in that defense chair. Mm-hmm. And we don't treat those people like they are people. And I think that some of the decisions that are made are made from that lack of understanding or that lack of, 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 of knowledge. When you say they don't treat them like they're people, could you elaborate a little bit more on that, please? Well, for to, this is this is my view of it, because I. I used to be a prosecutor. Right. I was a prosecutor for three years in New Orleans, and I was a prosecutor for the majority of my military career. And so I understand the prosecutorial perspective. But what happens is it seems that the, the people who sit next to me, my defense clients, for everyone else but the defense attorney, it's just a piece of paper with some words on it that says that this person did something. Mm-hmm. It's not Sam who's sitting next to me, who's someone's son, who's someone's father, who's someone's brother, who's someone's friend. 
the humanity is not is it seems to be lost in the paper okay. that they have before them that says that he broke into a house or that he he stole something from Walmart or mm-hmm. whatever the crime may be that he's alleged to have committed. And, and I just I, and, and it, it snapped at me for for me when 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 my son was born mm-hmm. that. These are people's children. One, there was a time when this man that sits next to me was crawling on the floor and reaching up to grandma, reaching up to his mama, and someone said, "I love my baby." Right. And now he sits here as a as an alleged uh, criminal, as a defendant, and 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 aside from his family that may or may not be there, no one seems to care about them. I'm the me and my compatriots, the defense bar, are the only ones who seem to care about this person. What happens in the minds of law enforcement, police officers, constables, sheriff's deputies? What happens in the process of their carrying out their duties that causes them to lose the perspective of the humanity of uh, the person who's sitting next to you, the defendant? I think they they look at it as it's their job to clean up the streets and they're not thinking about who this person is, Mm -hmm. that this is Miss Johnson's baby boy, Mm -hmm. that this is Miss Lawrence's baby boy or whoever. Mm -hmm. They're just thinking this person is alleged to have committed a crime. I'm going to take him to jail. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think, that, like I say, from the judges, the lawyers, some defense lawyers, prosecutors, it's just a piece of paper that with allegations on it. And that's what that entire case is about, as opposed to who this person is, mm-hmm. what life, what promise this person may have in his or her life. When you are uh, introduced into the criminal justice system from the standpoint of being arrested mm-hmm. and you become a defendant uh, uh, accused of, of various crimes. What is the first thing that I should do as someone who has been placed under arrest? Is the first thing I should do call my family? Is the first thing I should do call uh, a defense attorney? What's the first thing I should do? They, they, they've come. They picked me up. Mm-hmm. They said that you're under arrest. They, they've read me my rights. They put me in the back of the car. They're taking me to detain me, mm-hmm. uh, either to parish prison or to the city jail downtown. What What is it that I'm supposed to do in that circumstance? Close your mouth. <laughs> say nothing. Say nothing. Okay. And the thing so when is, they say you have the right to remain silent, it's, believe them. You have that right, and yes. you should exercise that okay. right. And it's not because they are trying to trick you into saying something, but normally it's because human nature. We think we can talk ourselves out of anything. Mm-hmm. Man, I was just over there. I was just over there trying to pick up my car because he took my car, and and, and now you put yourself at the scene. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing you've done. Mm-hmm. So just shut your mouth. Don't say anything. When they say you have the right to remain silent, exercise that right and remain silent. And after you, you have done that, when you ask for your well, let, let me ask you this, because I I watch a lot of television mm-hmm. and, and, and not everything that's on television is is true. But I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, there was a television program uh, that said that 
uh, defendants have a right to more than one phone call, but in fact have a right to three phone calls. Is, is that accurate? Well, there, there, there's nothing that I know of that, that discusses more than one phone call. Okay. Now, it depends on the sheriff who runs the jail. Mm-hmm. He or she is, says that, hey, you can call your lawyer, you can call your mama, and you can call your pastor. Those are your three phone calls. Okay. Those seem to be the most important three phone calls mm-hmm. that one would make. Mm-hmm. Then, then maybe so. But most of the time, they just get that one phone they call. They just get the one. They get that one phone call. And they call mama, and mama calls the lawyer. Mama calls the pastor. Pastor comes down, says a prayer with him. Lawyer comes out, tries to get him bonded out, and or mama calls the bondsman. Okay. Uh, and 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 then from from, let's talk about bonding mm-hmm. uh, because that seems to be a very hot topic. It is uh, uh, these days. Uh, do you think that the bond process is is a fair process? I, one answer, no. Because $1,000 for Sam, who's not working, he's a high school senior or a college freshman, is totally unfair to him versus the $1,000 for Mr. Whittington, who owns three car lots, uh, three storefronts that he's renting out, and Mm -hmm. 15 double uh, shotgun houses. Mm -hmm. $1,000 is nothing for him. Mm -hmm. But what we in the system look at is we look at, okay, here is an offense that these two people are alleged to have committed. And the going rate of the bond is one thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and so no, it's not fair because that high school, that 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 college freshman can't afford that thousand dollars, whereas Mr. Whittington can afford the thousand dollars fifteen times over. One of the things that we regularly hear is that there are people who are being held in parish prison uh, for extended periods of time, not because they've been convicted of anything, but simply because they can't afford to pay the bond. That's so correct. They're in parish prison for three months, four months, six Mm -hmm. months at a time, waiting for their trial date to come up. And there doesn't seem to be any remedy for that situation. Uh, Outside of getting a a bond reduction or the judge looking at the case and saying, based on the fact that this individual cannot afford to pay a $50 bond, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give him a release on his own recognizance and associate the amount of that bond to his release. And if, in fact, he does uh, violate his bond conditions or not show up to court and I revoke the bond, then it is him who owes the state of Louisiana that $1,500, that $1,000 or that amount. But we don't start there. We start with, you need to pay this cash bond, either through personal property, uh, property or cash or bondsmen. And people are getting rich off of this. Uh, Uh, I would, yeah. uh, Because they they charge these ridiculous amounts uh, of interest on the money that you're borrowing to get your child out of jail. And more often than not, uh, whoever put up the bond uh, is incapable of of paying mm-hmm. what needs to be paid. Uh, it just it just seems like there there has to be a better system than the one that currently exists, yeah. and it seems to disproportionately uh, disadvantage the poor and the marginalized right. within our community. Unfortunately, that's where the police officers feel that that's where they need to proactively uh, patrol where the where they term it high crime areas mm-hmm. because that's good police work. What makes it a high crime area? 
Well, the I, it's for me. It's a perpetual. It's a it's a wheel that that constantly goes around. Mm -hmm. You deem it a high crime area because of the fights, maybe the 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 the, the arguments, the thefts, maybe the break-ins, and then you constantly go and patrol there. And so where you patrol, you're bound to find something. If I turn on the lights and look around my kitchen constantly, I'm bound to find something. There's a spider. There's an ant. There's going to be something because I'm going to constantly look for it. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I look at how they go and patrol in our neighborhoods. They're going to find something. You're going to see a guy who you want to approach, and you're going to talk to him, and you're going to find that he may have a controlled dangerous substance on him. Mm -hmm. Well, the same can be said if you go into the more fluent areas. If you patrol there, you will find crime there. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, that's why. Because the, the numbers say that it's a high crime area because the amount of arrests that they make in these areas. If statistics show, as uh, I believe they do, that uh, people from affluent areas of the Baton Rouge area are guilty of drug crimes at the same rate that people from impoverished areas mm -hmm. within the parish or within the general Baton Rouge area are guilty of drug crimes. It just might be different drugs that are involved. Then is it not incumbent upon law enforcement to at least be as aggressive in dealing with uh, the affluent areas where drugs exist uh, with the same level of zeal that they do with the impoverished areas? Yes, I, you would think so. But it's, those aren't the things that are driving the desire for the police to patrol the neighborhood. It's the other crimes, the the shootings, mm -hmm. it's the the break-ins, the 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 those types of crimes, the property crimes, if mm -hmm. you will, mm -hmm. car car break-ins, car thefts. So those are the crimes that 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 drive that that desire for them to place officers in those. So in other words, if 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 I need a fix. Uh, do they even say fix anymore? If I need some drugs <laughs> and and I don't have any money, mm -hmm. and so I break into Mrs. Johnson's car mm -hmm. because she left her purse in the car in order to take money out of her wallet to go buy drugs, mm -hmm. you are more likely to catch me because I broke into the car than you are to catch me because I bought Drugs. That's correct. Drugs are a byproduct of the break-in. Yes, it is. But if I live in an affluent neighborhood and I don't have to break into her car because I have money in the house and I can just go and buy the drugs that I want, then I'm less likely to be caught because I haven't uh, been attached to a property crime. That's correct. So the property crime, crimes are, 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 are the driving force they, behind they, law enforcement. More so than the drug crimes. Now, the drug crimes come about because of the fact that the police are there and they end up arresting the individual with the drugs on them. Mm -hmm. So it ends up they put all of those numbers into that pot to say this is a high crime area. It's interesting you say that because when I used to pastor uh, up at Greater Mount Carmel, you, you, you were a member of Greater yes. Mount Carmel in the time that I was there, uh, there was a, a house two doors down from the back door of the church mm -hmm. that everyone knew. We knew it at the church and everybody in the neighborhood knew was a drug house. They sold drugs right there in the house. The police knew it. The, 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 the police station was 300 yards away from where the church was. Yes. And an interesting thing was 
prostitutes would hang out on the corner at the back of the church. And, and folk would drive by and pick up the prostitutes. Prostitutes would, would do what they got to do and, and go about their business. We called the police and asked them to come out to move the prostitutes. Mm -hmm. The police officer who came out said, if you want to move the prostitutes, you got to move the drug house. He said, prostitution is not a sex crime. Prostitution is a drug crime. Mm -hmm. He says, they're hanging out on the corner because the corner is close to where the drug house is. And they're going to do what they're going to do here. And, go and then they're going to take the money and they're going to go buy the drugs. Interesting connection between these things. And, 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 and it, it suggests that we are not really being effective in dealing with the root of the problem, mm -hmm. but we're responding to symptoms of the problem uh, that, that somebody thinks is important enough for you to, to mess with that in the poor neighborhood, right. but not in the more affluent areas of the city. I'm not excusing property crimes. No, I'm, I'm not excusing no. prostitution. I'm just saying that media would make it appear as though this is the only place where these things happen. You're right. That That's what gets the ratings. That's what gets the ratings. I mean, not that the media is the, the problem. The media does what they do. They, they, they sensationalize things so that people watch their show, whether it be local media, national media, radio, whatever the medium is. They're going to they're going to report it so that, hey, I need to watch this because they're talking about my my uh, my city. And unfortunately, that's what they're showing. They're not showing that 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 someone over here by the lakes right. was smoking whatever it was they were smoking or popping whatever pills they were popping right. or doing whatever they were doing, because one, it's not going to get any media attention, unless Chris Nakamoto goes out and, and reports on it, then it's a whole nother story. But for the most part, the media is not, not interested in the, the mundane everyday life of the affluent mm -hmm. taking the drugs of their choice. Mm -hmm. Now the, the, the individual who had to commit a crime in order to get the resources to pay for his drugs. Now that's a story. And it's a, and it's a person who we want to arrest. That's that's where the police are going to be. When you say we want to arrest, what do you mean by Not that? we, the police. Right. We, because we're the community. Society. That's, yes, society, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. We want to arrest because it's it's causing ruckus in our neighborhood. You're breaking into Miss Johnson's car. Right. You didn't stole her purse. She had a medicine in there. Right. And also you can go get some drugs. All of which is wrong. All and, of which and, is wrong. And all of which you should be prosecuted for. All I'm saying is as you're prosecuting uh, this crime, there are crimes over here that need to be prosecuted Correct. as well. You, you, you work for the public defender's office. Is the public defender's office overwhelmed? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. That's an understatement. So on average, how many cases does your office handle in a year? The office as a whole, yeah. I wouldn't be able to speak to. But if on average, we in the sections, each of us, there's mm -hmm. three lawyers in my in, in the section that I'm in. And we have on average about 150 open cases at any given time. And so if you take that and multiply it by eight, the three of us, I mean, you can get an idea of what those numbers are. Yes. So how does how does it seem fair to, to, to the whole idea of innocent until proven mm -hmm. guilty if 
your legal representation is so overwhelmed with cases that he can't give uh, appropriate time to every individual case. It's not. Not at all. And it's it's a triage. It's it's a triage. It's an effort in triaging the cases. The murder is nine times out of ten going to get more attention than the theft from Walmart. Mm -hmm. While the theft from Walmart is just as important because his freedom, his 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 clean record is on the line. As much as the guy who's accused of murder. Now, the mm -hmm. murderer is facing life imprisonment, but the guy over here who's accused of theft, he may never, ever get a job mm -hmm. in his life because when he comes and says, hey, Reverend Smith, I want to work at Shiloh as your your office manager back there with the tithes. That's probably not going to happen because he's he's yeah. a demonstrated thief yeah. by virtue of his record. So it's still important mm -hmm. to make sure that he doesn't get penalized or not penalized, but he doesn't get uh, he gets the best treatment that he can as as our as his representative, mm -hmm. his his defense counsel. So, no, it's not fair at all. So you've got the perpetrator. Uh, uh, you've got law enforcement. You've got. Uh, the prosecutor, you've got the defense uh, attorney, and then you have the judge. Mm -hmm. uh, am I correct in saying that the judge is the referee? That's what it is supposed to be. The judge is the referee. I think it was Justice Roberts who said the judge just calls balls and strikes. That's what they're supposed to do. They don't involve themselves in the strategy of the defense and the strategy of the prosecution. They, add, they answer issues on points of law. If I say judge objection calls for speculation, the judge rules on it based on what the law says the witness can answer. Mm -hmm. but they don't get involved in anything else. Mm -hmm. That's, they're the referee. Pass interference, they call it. Well, if the judge is the referee, uh, and, and, and I guess I'm speaking uh, optimistically and hypothetically if the judge is the referee does it make sense to you and 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 I'm I'm asking you from the standpoint of your experience in law does it make sense to you that that the referee is voted on by the people instead of appointed by uh, the legislature or the governor or or the mayor depending upon what level of, of mm -hmm. court you're talking about it it seems like it, it does. I don't get to vote for who referees my Cowboys games. No. Because, because I, I, I would have certain folk yes, you uh, would. Uh, refereeing Cowboys <laughs> games. So when, when judges have to run for office, mm -hmm. like politicians, like, like the Metro Council or the mayor or the state legislator, does that not taint or, or, or shift the whole idea of an impartial, unbiased referee over legal proceedings? Well, or am I overstating it? You're not overstating it because it's, it, it only makes sense. I, trust me, from Reverend Smith, from, from the time I realized that judges were elected, I, I, I struggled with whether or not I, just me, Quintillus K. Lawrence, would have rather seen the judges that deal with the cases that, that come before them if those judges were appointed or elected. And if it's a hodgepodge, maybe the, 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 the governor appoints a panel and the people vote on that panel. Mm -hmm. But 
the the Supreme Court has done and the Office of Ethics have done a and I air quote this great job of ensuring that 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 judges don't get into the melee of what other politicians get into when judges or candidates are running for judge they are obliged they are required to conduct themselves by the judicial cannings that judges are required to abide by. Mm -hmm. They can't comment on cases that may become before them, hypothets, things of that nature. So the only thing a judge, a candidate for judge, can really do or say when he or she is running is that I'm smart, I know the law, I'll follow the law, I'll, I'll research the law, and I'll do things within the law because that's, that's, that's their mandate, the law, nothing else. I hate it when I hear candidates or judges say I'm I'm tough on crime. I don't understand what tough on crime is mm -hmm. because everyone who's a prosecutor, who's a defense attorney, who's a citizen is tough on crime. No mm -hmm. one wants crime. Mm -hmm. The defense attorneys that work in the public defender's office live in Baton Rouge. You think they want crime? Yeah, I got tough two. on crime is code. T it, tough it, it on is. crime means just like law that, and order. That, that 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 if I am convicted. I ain't going to see the light of day again, or right. it's going to be a very long time before I see the light of day. That, that, that's what tough on crime means. Yeah. At least that's the way I – when I hear a, a candidate for judge say, elect me because I'm tough on crime, that means that you're, you're going to get the maximum sentence for the crime that you mm -hmm. committed regardless of the circumstances surrounding uh, uh, the, the, the commission yeah. of, of, of the crime. Because it goes back to, like I said before, it's just a piece of paper with allegations. And if you did this, you're going away for the rest of your life or as long as I can put you away. I'm going to hide you in the Department of Corrections and they'll never find you. And, but that's that, the, the full circle. That's why I say that's the biggest problem. Because you do have people who, it's just a job. There's no passion there. It's just, hey, I want to I be this prosecutor. I want to be this defense attorney. I want to be this judge. And, and... I care less about the people who come before me or who, are, who I have to deal with. So, yes, I agree that 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 language, it's that dog whistle that they speak of, the law and order, the tough on crime. Right. But 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 judges to answer your question, uh, uh, Reverend Smith, I'm, I'm 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 still torn at the fact that judges have to be elected. But there have been some some things that have been done to ensure that they don't they don't act like politicians. To the extent that they say, uh, I'm going to I'm going to do no no new taxes. Read my lips. There's none of that. Mm -hmm. There's none of that. They, they can't comment on hypothet hypotheticals uh, when when presented with them at debates and things of that nature. So I, I'm still torn with that. I'm Are still judges torn. subject to regular review? Is, is there an ethics board or, or some kind of review board that that grades judges based upon their. Uh, adherence to the law in the cases that come before them? Well, when you say adherence to the law, you mean in following the law and, and, and ruling in accordance with yes. how the law? Well, the Court of Appeals and the next appellate court and then the federal courts of appeals. But it requires a defense attorney to, to make such an appeal. It does. It does. Someone has to say, I don't agree with your ruling judge and I want the next court above you to decide whether or not you were right or wrong. And, and how often does money. that happen? <sighs> 
it, it happens pretty rare, pretty pretty frequently and okay. in our office because we 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 tend to uh, not necessarily at the end because we don't deal with appeals, but we deal with writs. Those are reviews of the the we call them interlocutory decisions. Those decisions that are not say that word again. The interlocutory. Inter okay, and what, those what, are the decisions it? like the denial of the motion to suppress. Okay, the de the granting of the motion to limit our witnesses' testimony. Things like that. The the denial of the ability to present a piece of evidence on behalf of our client. Those mm -hmm. types of things. If the judge denies us what we're asking for, we can say, well, judge, I want a writ, and we can get a day to come back, file that writ with here in Baton Rouge with the 19th JDC at the First Circuit Court of Appeals, and then that judge panel will decide whether or not the judge that made the decision was right or wrong. Okay. So there, that, that, there's that. If a judge is reversed four or five times over the span of five years, is that good, normal, bad? What, what, what is that? Uh, is that about normal? I, I, I don't know anything about that. Well, I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shoot from the hip and say it's good, bad, or normal because I mean sometimes you just get it wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, a lot of cases come before these judges, especially here, where we have a robust docket in each court, both civil and what criminal. What a wonderful way of putting that, robust. Ooh, it, it is, it is. Um, we are one of the most litigious places in the, in the country, is yes, that correct? Yes, we are. We are. That's why our insurance rates are, are, are high. Remember that word, <laughs> robust. We, 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 we have a robust judicial system here. But, but we, um, so five would, in a, in a year's time frame, while I wouldn't say it's great because after number two, you would think that the judge would, would say, okay, wait a minute, let me take some time and mm -hmm. look at what the law says on this issue before mm -hmm. I make my ruling and be a little bit more meticulous in his or her rulings. But some judges feel that they know what they need to know and they rule without looking at what has been given to us, which is all those books. We got a lot of books with a lot of law in it. It's all there for us to go look. We, it's no embarrassment with saying, hold on one second. I'm going to come back to you in a couple of days and give you my ruling after looking at what the law says it should be. But if I remember my basic civics, this is where me and my sister fall apart. If I remember my basic civics correctly, Louisiana is distinct from the rest of the nation with regard to the Napoleonic. Correct. And so there are differences in how the law is interpreted here versus other states in the country. There are, but not really. See, what happens is Napoleonic Code means that we write our laws before we try to enforce any type of law. Okay. For instance, the common law, which came down from the king, they can say, and I like to give the example of spitting on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. If spitting on the sidewalk in the common law was a crime, then if I went down the street and I spat on the driveway, not the sidewalk, mm -hmm. then they could make a, a case showing that, wow, spitting on the sidewalk is the crime and spitting on the, side, on the driveway is not a codified crime. One can say that spitting on the driveway is a crime based on the fact that it's the same concrete that the sidewalk is made of. Of, therefore, you're 
guilty of spitting on the con- on the side on the on the driveway. Okay. Whereas here we have to have a law that says spitting on the driveway is a crime. So if I go and spit on the street, it's not a crime because spitting on the street is not a crime. Well, then the next legislative session they will make spitting on the street a crime. But that's the way the Napoleonic Code works. It has to be written and in- and codified before we try to enforce any laws. Wow. And we do use different terminology for the same things that other states use. Mm-hmm. So. But that's that's the difference now. And most 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 states are are afraid to have lawyers deal with issues originating in Louisiana because they're afraid. Oh, it's Louisiana Napoleonic Code. Like, for instance, as a as a JAG officer, right. we do legal assistance for our soldiers. Right. No matter where I go, if I go to Tennessee, legal assistance. If I go to Hawaii, legal assistance. If I'm in Germany, legal assistance. So if a soldier comes to me or an airman, a marine or a coastie comes to me and he's from Louisiana, then they want us to do the wills where there is no there is a requirement that our wills be a certain format. But there is no special wording that we use that other states don't use as it relates to bequeath and per strippies. and, And those words are the same across the board. Okay. Equally given to the children, bequeath, I give to upon my death. There's no difference. But people are afraid of our our way of doing things. I mean, mm-hmm. we're Louisiana. We are different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, there's the, the, the big differences were, were, were years ago. But nowadays, we're, we're more in line with what the rest of the, every other state is doing. So what is the role of precedent in Louisiana uh, judicial proceedings? as opposed to others with regard to interpretation of the law? Well, we use a term called jurisprudence constant as opposed to what this common law folks call stare decisis. It's basically using the cases that have come down to make a decision for the case that's before me. In this case, the coming back to the spitting on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. concept where the case law can say that the police officers had a right to arrest him for spitting on the concrete because on the on the driveway because spitting on the sidewalk was a crime however spitting on the sidewalk is not on the driveway is not a crime he was not wrong in arresting him so they use that concept of jewish prudence constant to say that we look at our f- prior cases that have not been overruled to guide us in making our decisions today. Are you happy about the change that's taken place with regard to uh, unanimous juries? Yes. Uh, with with what is it? Capital offenses or it's all all offenses? All offenses. Okay. See, because there was you had to have unanimous juries in. Uh, the six-person juries, those those crimes that had where the individual who is accused has a right to a jury of six persons. That's mm-hmm. when the code article, the punishment says with or without hard labor. When the punishment is with or without hard labor. You got a six-person jury. It has to be all six. Well, the 12-person juries at hard labor, when the crime says you shall serve whatever number of years at hard labor that's the 12 person jury to include of course murder and first degree murder aggravated uh battery things of that nature Mm -hmm. those crimes required a 12 person jury and only needed 10 to say you're guilty now every crime requires unanimous jury to say you're guilty so in your opinion were 
majority jury majority decisions as opposed to unanimous decisions racially biased well unfortunately the the, the juries we black folk don't like to serve on juries because the common phraseology is i don't like to judge my bible say i don't judge people and, and and i know you've heard it i know you've heard it okay but and so we end up without people of color on the jury to start with mm -hmm. or with fewer people on the jury to start with mm -hmm. okay. so when you start there then you have an unfortunate bias racial makeup of the jury yeah so, but but as it relates to the people who are serving on the jury, it to get ten, it, it's easy to get ten. I mean, not it's easier to get ten than to get twelve. Let me put it yeah. that way. It just seems to me that when you're when you're talking about convicting someone and sending them away for ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty mm -hmm. years, uh, that there should be a certain degree of of of. There should be an absolute there should be. In, involved in that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Twelve people heard this case. Twelve people saw it all the same way. When, when you say, well, ten saw it this way, but two saw it the other way, and that's enough. To me, that's not enough to send somebody away for 25 years not at all. Of, 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 of their lives. And I don't understand how that law. It was Louisiana and Oregon, I believe, that the were the only two, two states that, that that still had that. And now it's just Oregon. Just I Oregon. don't see how that can exist anywhere and be considered uh, uh, just and right and fair. You and me both. I, but we we we've made the move and we we're in the we're in the majority now. So and the law has already gone into effect. It's gone into effect. Okay. But here's the unfortunate thing for people who were sitting in jail and or on bond awaiting trial when the law took effect, they are still looking at a ten to two so, jury. So 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 the old system was grandfathered in. For those who were arrested Correct. before the change took before place. Before the change. So when the change took place, if you got arrested the day after, your jury must be unanimous. Must be unanimous. But the guy who was arrested two days before the law took place, his jury can be 10 to 2. Still not fair. But you, a lot of sausage making. I sit on the Louisiana Law Institute, and that's where the, that's the legislative arm, uh, a body that looks at the laws that are in effect currently and say, hey, legislature, these are the changes that we think may need to be made in order to to mm -hmm. adequately address the issues in our criminal justice system and in the other system, in the, in the, in the, in the divorces, right. uh, uh, legislation, I mean, uh, litigation with car accident, personal injury, all they look at everything. But they have different committees that look at those things individually, and then the entire body of the Law Institute looks at it collectively and make a decision as to what to recommend to the legislature. And so some of these things come through the legislative bodies, and you have, you have representatives from the district attorney's office, you have representatives from the defense bar, you have representatives from the bench, you have representatives from every facet, you have the sheriff's office, every facet of the criminal justice system in there to say their piece on what they think should occur as it relates to the change or the or the proposed change in the law mm -hmm. so um, you can you can you can only imagine some of the conversations and some of the the 
the, the resistance there is to different changes that may occur in our law. As the legislature is about to start, uh, I believe it's early April mm-hmm. uh, when, 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 when they go into session, is there anything that you know of that's going to come up in this session of the legislature uh, that uh, we should be looking out for, watching uh, to see how how the legislature the legislature the legislature decides. Not that I can speak of. I, I'm, I'm I, I hate to say it, but I have not kept abreast of what what bills will or have been pre-filed to to make uh, an educated statement on that. But I know some issues that that we need to look at. And one of them, I've, I've spoken with a few legislators, and um, it's a concept called diminished capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the legislatures that I speak with say it's just, it's just not going to happen here in Louisiana. We are resistant to that. And what diminished capacity is, is just what it is. It's the diminished capacity of the individual who's alleged to have committed the offense to basically, some would call it a technicality, but to not be held responsible for it because of his in his or her inability to truly understand what he or she was doing. Mm-hmm. Currently, our bar is way up there. It is either you were insane at the time of the offense, and it must be medically documented that you are insane. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that you can be not held responsible for your actions. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the concept of diminished capacity. And we see every day people with a diminished capacity coming in there. Louisiana to, does not have anything with regard to diminished capacity? Nothing. Now, what we do have is we have if someone is sitting next to me as a defendant and he or she is unable to adequately understand the process, the procedure, who the judge is, what my job is as his attorney, what the prosecutor's job is as his as the the state's attorney, what the people in the courtroom's job is, then he is deemed to be incompetent and unable to go forward at trial. Mm -hmm. And so they will send him back to uh the hospital, and if he's restored, his competency is restored, then he goes to trial. But as it relates to someone in that position who came to jail talking about, yeah, I just talked to John Kennedy, and he told me, and I'm not talking about the, the senator, I'm talking about the president, mm-hmm. and he told me that y'all don't know what y'all are doing. Well, someone who really means that when mm-hmm. they come in there and talk, they had mm-hmm. not, they're not there. And they, they, they shouldn't be held responsible 100% for crimes that they may have committed. You're describing a mental health issue. I'm describing a mental health issue, a big issue in our city. And in and in our state. And in East Baton Rouge Parish, we just passed a tax. That's right. Uh, a mental health tax uh, to provide uh, adequate uh, medical resources mm-hmm. for those who are suffering with mental health issues. I'm curious to hear you say that... We provided money to, pro- to, to, to see about people with mental health issues, mm-hmm. but that there's no provision in the law for people who have mental health issues. Well, what it is is it's, it's that uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? It's the – the police officer comes upon right. this gentleman who they see or don't see right. has a mental health issue. Right. They don't see it, they're going to take him to jail. Well, what? Well, Judge Johnson has has a pilot program currently operating where the individuals working with him in that pilot program look at these individuals and say, something's wrong, something is amiss. Right. And so they get him 
or her treated or they get him or her uh, diagnosed and they determine that this person has mental health issues. Right. And so what happens is if that person goes through some type of treatment, then it's possible that the district attorney may not charge him with the crimes. And that's a positive. That is a that is a step in the right direction. And that's going to expand that 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 type of program. But it's that law tax. enforcement people that are making a mental health assessment. Well, as opposed to mental health people making a mental no, the, health the, assessment. The people working with Judge Johnson are mental health caregivers. Yeah, These but he, are, this person has had to go through to jail. A process, yes, a, a, a legal process, a law enforcement process, before he ever gets, and he's he's fortunate if he gets a judge that has some concerns about his mental capacity, mm-hmm. as opposed to another judge who might not have that concern at all. Yeah, but what what the the tax is is yet to be. In fruition. Oh, it, it, we got a we got a bill. Yeah, and, is, and, we, and, and right now there, there are questions swirling. So it's just sitting uh, uh, around how the tax is going to be implemented. We, we, we we're a part of of, right. of 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 a group that's questioning exactly how the tax is going mm-hmm. to be implemented. And so, uh, and so, when, when you look at the board that was initially established. Uh, to to implement this this mental health facility that they have attached to this mm-hmm. tax by the way it was never in the proposal itself it was a part of the media uh, mm-hmm. that that said that all of this was going to go to the bridge center, center. Mm-hmm. but the proposal itself does not mention the bridge center at all uh, but 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 initially everyone that was on the board was a, a, a law enforcement right. person, the district attorney, the sheriff's office, the police chief, the constable's office. Mm-hmm. These are all law enforcement right. people, not mental health people. Mm-hmm. And now I'm hearing that there is no provision in Louisiana law for diminished capacity. There is no nothing. Nothing. It's it's. It's, it will be the police officers who make the decision that, okay. And what training have the police officers I, had to make that decision? Well, I, I don't know what training they've had. I don't think that they've had that training. Otherwise, some of these things would have already occurred. It's easy to take a homeless guy who's out of his or her head and who's alleged to have entered or remained after being forbidden and take him to a homeless shelter and say, hey, this guy here was over here on Miss Johnson's yard. She told him to go five times. He continued to stay. He needs a place to stay tonight. It's easy for them to do that as opposed to saying, let's take him over to Brigadier Isaac General, General Isaac's drive and, and, and put him in prison. That's what they do. So the training seems to be non-existent. Because most of these individuals who we find who 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 come through that and and those are the minute crimes uh, entering or remain after being forbidden right. because they I mean they don't they don't they just they're just not there uh, they go and they end up going to jail and they get a bond of a thousand dollars or five hundred dollars he's homeless you think he can make a five hundred dollar bond yeah he can't make a ten dollar bond yeah so the issues are are just they they're rampant. They're rampant with our criminal justice system. I know you. I, I, I know you as a husband, as a father, as a churchman, not just as an attorney mm-hmm. 
and a representative of the United States military. How does your faith interact with your responsibilities as a lawyer, defense attorney, prosecutor, in, in, in whatever capacity in which you serve the law, how does your faith play a role? In, in a major role, because I just I look at everyone involved in the system, and I think, does anyone in here think when Jesus said, what you do to the least of your brothers, you do to me? Does anyone think that what I'm doing to this defendant, to this other lawyer, that it it, it, it fits within that? Because it does. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, it, it, he wouldn't have said it if he didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, I mean, that's, that's the thing that comes to mind more days than anything. And it, it plays a major part. Because yet while we, we have control of, of what we do, God gave us free will to do what it is that we do here on earth. But he also said that there's no way to the Father but by Jesus. And we, we act like he ain't coming back. Mm -hmm. We act like we got, we got free reign of this world mm -hmm. and ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow could be the day that he comes back and, and I, I want to be somebody who he says, you know, my good and faithful servant, mm -hmm. as opposed to depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I know you not. It plays a major role because we, we're not just here doing what we want to do. We're supposed to be doing, doing his bidding. I recognize that, that there's supposed to be separation of church and state. I, I respect that, mm -hmm. honestly, because I don't want the state to tell me how I must worship. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always amused by these people who talk about they took prayer out of school. No, they did not. No. I prayed the, the whole time I was in school. Right. They, they never <laughs> took prayer out of school. But I don't, I don't want the state to say that I have to pray a certain kind of Correct. Way, or that I have to pray at a certain time. Right. Or that I have to pray to Yahweh or mm -hmm. to Jesus as opposed to the Jewish individual who prays to uh, God but not to Jesus or right. the Muslim who prays to Allah right. and not to Yahweh. I, I don't think that that's our role. Correct. I recognize the, the, the division between church and state. But from a spiritual perspective, not necessarily from a Christian perspective, mm -hmm. from a spiritual perspective, where is the compassion that I think should exist in the enforcement of the law? I recognize that, that law enforcement people have an incredibly difficult job to do, yeah. a job that I would not want to do and, and am totally unqualified mm -hmm. to do. So I'm not trying to put myself in the position of being able to Monday morning quarterback right. what law enforcement does. But so many times I just don't see a level of compassion uh, for the extenuating circumstances that might have led to the commission of the crimes that uh, a person is alleged to have done. Right. Well, I, I have, I'll say this, because I know a great deal of police officers uh, here in New Orleans, um, and a lot of times, they're, they, because their job is so tough, 
they just don't concern themselves with that. It's the right here, right now. Because you hear a lot of the police officers or the police organizations or the police, I call them sympathizers, say, hey, blue lives matter too. Well, I'm just trying to get home. Yes, I want every police officer who goes out and, and, and does his tour of duty for the evening to get home to his his or her family. Certainly. That is a fact. Um, and I think that they they put that before they put wondering whether or not this person here has mental illness, wondering whether or not this person has a place to stay tonight. Is that why he's still in stake from 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 uh, Walmart? Is that why he's doing this or she's doing that? I think that is just a matter of self-preservation mm -hmm. as opposed to because uh, uh, I know police officers who go to church. They're very, 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 very spiritual. Several of them who right. And, but when they go out there on the streets, it's self-preservation. And I only say that because as a soldier, I mean, the, the game is I kill you before you kill me. Right. Police officer's game is not I kill you before you I kill me. Not. Right. And that and that, that's where my problem comes with police organizations. And it's from the top because if I can be trained to learn how to deal, and I'm a lawyer for the Army. Right. I'm not a grunt. I'm not out there right. an 11 Bravo ground pounder. Right. But I know their job. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're trained and every soldier in the United States Army is trained to learn how to de-escalate. Mm -hmm. If we learn that and we are trained to kill because that's our job or and not be killed. How is it that they can't? And it, I, that's where I have my disconnect with them. Mm -hmm. Because I know they're most of them good people. I mean, most of them, want, they just want to get home to their right. families, too. Right. But, but I think they put that before they put trying to, desire, to discern whether or not this person has issues that he or she needs to be concerned about. Outside of concerned about that they're going to attack me or going to do harm to me. Mm -hmm. But as it relates to saying, should I take him to prison because of... His alleged commission of this offense, or should I try and work with him mm -hmm. and and determine whether or not there's some underlying issues that are affecting his ability to make decisions, or that are affecting his his choices, the mm -hmm. choices that he has made. I, so I don't I don't think that there there the, there's a, a lack of spirituality and and compassion. I think it's just not something that they concern themselves about. On, on any given call, and, and that may sound that may sound. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I guess, and, and I've never been in that position, so I'm speaking from a standpoint of ignorance, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I have to acknowledge that because somebody's going to say you're doggone right. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, uh, but it just seems to me that to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm your faith and set it aside and put it in a room or in a closet and close the door and say, this, this part of my life is real and it's valid mm -hmm. and it's valuable to me, except when I'm doing this job. I just don't know how you compartmentalize that that way. I, I don't know that they do that. I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I, I really don't have an answer for that. Cause I, I don't, I don't, because, again, just like the soldier, I mean, I know a lot of soldiers that they seem to do that because it's a, it's a I kill you before you kill me mm -hmm. situation. Um, and then they come back and to the to the base and on Sunday they're in church and they're singing with the, the choir and and the whole nine. And they're talking mm -hmm. to the to the chaplain. Mm -hmm. And uh, but when they're out there, they're they're I don't know. 
I don't know. I think sometimes it's it's they're different from me. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have to treat them the same way I would treat someone else. Mm-hmm. And there's the human mind and the human emotions that 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 people display in whatever job they're doing. It's it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So I'm I don't know. I'm I've never been a police officer. Never had a desire to be a police officer. Right. Um. So I wouldn't want to speak for for them. Now, lawyers, on the other hand, I don't know how it is that they do that because they sit in a nice cushy chair and they in the air conditioned courtroom. You would think that they would be able to say, you know, let me look at this person like a person. Mm -hmm. Let me put myself, let me put my child, let me put my cousin, uncle, mother, father, sister, brother in that person's shoes. And how would I want them to be treated? Mm -hmm. If you just do that. I think that your spirituality comes out. Mm -hmm. The compassion comes out Mm -hmm. because that's a human being sitting over there. Mm -hmm. No matter what position in the courtroom you're sitting in, judge, prosecutor or defense attorney. If you think the person's guilty, that's one thing. But still treat them with compassion. In order to serve as a judge, whether you run for a judgeship or you're appointed Mm -hmm. for a judgeship, you have to reside within the community in which you serve. Is that correct? That's correct. In order to serve in the state legislature or on the Metro Council, if you're running for a certain district, you have to reside within that district. That's right. Why is it not incumbent upon law enforcement to reside within the community that they serve? I, I, I I have a problem, and and it, I, I have highlighted this ever since the Alton Sterling mm-hmm. murder in 2016, and that's what it was. It was a murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm a strong advocate for community policing. I do not understand their job. I don't pretend to understand right. their job. But I do know that you can't say that you have a vested interest in a community in which you do not reside. That's true. And Baton Rouge police officers are allowed to live outside of the city limits of Baton Rouge, outside the (coughs) parish of East Baton Rouge. Uh, Some Baton Rouge police officers live as far away as Mississippi and carry their units, their police units, out there when they go home at night. Now, the, the argument from the union would be, what difference does it make where we reside? We're, we're officers, we work the job, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But my point is, you have a different feeling right. about the job that you do if you're family, if, if you're a stakeholder mm-hmm. in the community. And if I have to live in a community in order to serve as a judge or in order to serve as a council member or in order mm-hmm. to, I can't live in New Orleans and be the mayor of Baton Rouge. Nope, sure can't. But I can live in Mississippi. I can live in Centerville. And be a police And officer. be a police officer in Baton Rouge. That just doesn't seem doesn't. right to me. I agree. I, I, I feel the same way. I think that people f- tend to to understand that they need to treat people a certain way when they are of those people. Yeah. And and I agree 100 percent. I mean, they use arguments surrounding uh, numbers. We can't find enough qualified candidates that live in the Baton Rouge area. We can't find enough qualified candidates that live in the parish or the city. And that, that 
well, do something about it. You got all these blighted houses. Yeah. Create a program that says if you want to be a Baton Rouge police officer, we will give you a an incentive to purchase a blighted house. We will reduce the number of the, the points on the amateurs. We will do something to give you that house. Absolutely. And and you can fix it up, uh, and, and we'll give you tax breaks. Do something Absolutely. to get people to live in the community if you want them to be police officers in the community. I think now it's not the greatest of 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 uh, uh, choices to use, but uh, Detroit did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And while Detroit may be on the rebound at the time, they were at their lowest point. But they said, "Look, let's give police officers houses within the city, mm-hmm. and portions of the city begin to to spring back." So, I and agree. And what a difference it makes if people see Baton Rouge police squads. Parked in the driveway. That's correct. I know if I'm a criminal, I'm not going down that street to commit a crime. I'm not breaking in no cars because Officer Friendly lives right there. Yeah. He might come out, and that'll be the end of my freedom. I mean, it's it's common sense approach to things. So if you really want to do something to take a bite out of crime, McGruff the crime dog, mm-hmm. then, 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 then perhaps... The powers that be within our community and the powers that be seem to be the Baton Rouge Area Foundation and the Baton Rouge Area Chamber of Commerce Mm -hmm. and Lobby, business and industry, uh, uh, philanthropists uh, ought to impose themselves upon the the, the legislature Mm -hmm. for the state or the city council to say that something needs to be done Mm -hmm. because it would take that kind of pressure from those kinds of groups in order to bring about the changes mm-hmm. that, 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 that need to be brought about. I agree. Currently, too much of, 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 of law enforcement is in the hands of people who are not law enforcement, law enforcement administrators. Right. It's actually in the hands of, of, of the police union. Yeah. And, and, and the Police Union Bill of Rights, the, the, which, which gives police officers rights that nobody, nobody else has. has. Right. I don't have them as a soldier. I'm, I'm just as, as responsible for my actions as, as a general is, as a private is. Everybody's equal. General, four-star general, and no-stripe private is as responsible for his or her actions as, as, as anyone else. Police officers get special treatment as it relates to whether or not they committed an offense while on duty versus if they committed an offense when they're not on duty. I mean, there are some instances where I understand that you have to look at whether or not the police officer was within his right to do certain things while on duty, but you don't give him any extra rights Versus the rights of the citizen. I mean, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution was about all citizens. Well, minus a few, but we've been included thus far. But it was about all citizens, not all citizens, but the police get extra over here. If I'm involved in in, in a shooting, if, 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 if. You, if, Fred, Reverend Fred Jeff Smith. Fred Jeff Smith mm-hmm. gets involved in a shooting with Terrence Turner, mm-hmm. producer of, of, of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And law enforcement comes out and says, we want a statement. Mm-hmm. I can't say, well, I've got 30 days in order to give you a formal statement. But a police officer can. Right. Well, If what a police you... officer is involved in the shooting, he can take up to 30 days mm-hmm. 
to make a formal statement right. with regard to the shooting. I don't have that right as a citizen, but the police officer has that right? No. Now, I'll say this, just just to be fair. You don't have that right as written anywhere, but you do have the right to not answer it until you speak with your lawyer. You can't do that. Now, what will happen is, okay, sir, well, what we do have here, that's correct. (laughs) You're going to jail. That's correct. Tell your lawyer to meet us in Paris prison. That is the difference. That is the difference. That is the difference. You will go to jail. He goes home and he's on, most of the time, paid leave. Administrative leave. Right. And he's still getting paid. And you will be removed from your post as the pastor of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church because you have been accused of shooting someone. And you didn't give a statement, so you went to jail. And now you got to bond out and all that other good stuff that goes along with it. Whereas the police officer, while whether he did it with malice or, or not, whether it was justified or not, he gets to say, well, you know what, 30 days and I'll come back and talk to you. He does not go to jail because it's presumed justified from the beginning as opposed to looking at it and saying, hey, wait a minute. They can see all the things they want to see that says, hey, you shouldn't have shot him. But we're going to do an investigation and make sure that what we see is actually what we see. What if I lie and say he shot at me first? Well, then you get fired and then you get forced to be rehired and get back pay. And then you can resign with a clean bill, with a clean record. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. I mean, we know that he lied. We know it. The chief said, you should not be an employee here anymore because you are not upholding the, the, the values that we as police officers uphold. And then this, the, 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 what is they, the, uh, the, union. the union got him reinstated. Interesting. Uh, that's, that, that's, that's beyond me. And this is a system that, 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 that you... Uh, want to be a part of. That's right, because this has always been... I, people ask me all the time about, as a soldier, why you still in? Why you still in? And I tell them, well, because when I was a lieutenant and a captain, you know, I was sitting there and I was listening to the major and the lieutenant colonel advise the general and advise the colonel on what he or she thought should happen. And I would be like, that's dumb. That should not be the case. Well, now I am the major. I get to tell the colonel, ma'am, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. And why she doesn't have to listen to me, she does. She listens to me because I'm her legal advisor. I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. And so as I continue to move up in knowledge and in understanding of the system, I think I can make a difference inside the system. Because ain't nobody ever got anybody to turn the lights off outside the window, throwing rocks at it, saying, hey, you need to turn those lights off. It's too bright out here. But if I'm inside the, the house, I can say, man, it's too bright out there on them cats. Let me turn the light out. Okay, now you sound like my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a bad No, it's not, not at all. I, I'm uh, flattered yeah, that you even yeah, said that. Yeah. But uh, you, you, in order to make changes in a system, you've got to be a part of that system. Yeah. So what are your future plans? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the possible run for judge. Um, again, can't make change unless you're a part of the system. Mm-hmm. And the change that I, I would make would be 
I'll not be one of those that don't look at the law. All that law they give us, it won't go to waste. Right. You know, you got to dog ear those books and come back to them. You got you to gotta research. You got to write. You got to do those things to make sure you stay on top of what the law is because the law does change. We see that within our conversation earlier about how the jury makeup changes right. or the jury jury decisions change with a unanimous vote versus a 10 to 2 vote. Right. Some of the the laws have changed as it relates to the punishment of certain crimes. In the Justice Reinvestment Act, they reduced the number of years that an individual is uh, facing in some of the drug possession uh, offenses. So if you don't know those things, you can't be effective in making decisions that don't get overturned mm-hmm. five in a year, mm-hmm. ten in a year. So that's, that's my plan. So— there's there's city court, there's district court, there's state supreme court, and and in, and in the middle of the district court is the court of appeals. Court of appeals. There are five in the in the state of Louisiana. Okay, so so your future plans include running for which court? District court. District court. Yes. Trial and, court. And 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 district court handles primarily what kinds of cases? Uh, well, here in Baton Rouge, the 19th JDC has self bifurcated itself. So there are civil docket judges and criminal docket judges. Okay. I mean, in, in, Louis, in New Orleans, that's the only court in the state that is constitutionally separated with the Orleans District Court and the civil, the civil district court and the Orleans Criminal District Court. Right. But here in Baton Rouge, they, the court took it upon themselves to say we want separate civil and separate criminal. I see. I see. So I, I would rather a criminal docket because that's where my experience is. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not too 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 shy to take a civil docket either. I think I can I know I can handle a civil docket as well. It's just it's law. And I did graduate law school, passed the bar. <laughs> and I know where they keep that law at. They're not hiding it anywhere. Yeah. They, it's there. Everyone has Westlaw, LexisNexis, and it's it's rather easy to find out what the law is on a certain topic. It's, it's not rocket science. You're a father of two kids, yes. a, a son and a daughter, uh, two wonderful, very articulate. Thank very, you well-spoken young people. Uh, I ask this question of all of my guests uh, uh, because I'm a native of Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. I love my city. Uh, I don't think that it's perfect, but I do think that it's the greatest place in the world Mm -hmm. to live. Uh, Are you concerned about your children choosing to live here or... Let me ask it a different way. Would you want your children to make Baton Rouge their home? That's a tough one, Reverend Smith. That is a tough one. I I would because we're here and I would always want my children around me. Mm -hmm. But um, I I want them to to go where they're happy, too. Mm-hmm. I want them to go where they're happy. Jackson has already said he wants to go to Princeton, so he's not going to be in the South. <laughs> All right, brother, if that's where you want to go, go ahead. Yeah. And, but uh, that's to go to school. That's after, to go to school. After he gets his yeah. degree. Do you think that there's anything in Baton Rouge that would draw Jackson back to, to Baton Rouge? Brandy. <laughs> His mom. His mama. <laughs> My wife. Yes. No. Um, yeah, I think I think he would want to come back. Mm-hmm. I think he would. 
he's he's very family oriented. His family is is extremely important to him. Mm-hmm. He if he all he wants to do is hang around family. Sometimes he wants to hang with his friends, but he like yesterday out of school. Can I go to Leo's house? His cousin. Like I'll ask your Mimi if you can go to Leo's house. Mm-hmm. I'm at work. You at home with Mimi. So he went hanging out with Leo. So yeah, he'd come back. Natalie. I don't know about Natalie. She's different. <laughs> she is she different. different. She is different. I, I I ask this question because I worry about whether or not Baton Rouge uh, has the economic. Uh, uh, infrastructure mm-hmm. in order to uh, attract uh, a strong youth, right. uh, uh, a group of people who want to plant their flag here mm-hmm. and raise their families here and help make it a better city. I see too much of a brain drain yeah. here where kids graduate from high school and they go to Houston, to Dallas, Mm -hmm. to Austin, (coughs) to Memphis, to Atlanta, uh, and they never come back here. And, and, and I think that it, it, it does not bode well for our city that we lose too many of, of our young people. And so I'm, I'm just curious, uh, but you're telling me that, that Princeton's going to get one of our best. That's where he (sighs) wants to go. No. Well, well, I'm glad that you chose to to live in Baton Rouge. I'm yes. glad that you and, and and Brandy chose to raise your family in Baton Rouge, and I'm glad to have you as a part of Shiloh. I, I I love I love it. Love it. We appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for viewing. We'll be back next time. <laughs>